Missed it, the podcast where we watch and talk about a show that one of us wanted to watch again and the other one missed entirely. I'm Ryan and I missed it. And I'm Brittany and I didn't. And we are on Buffy season two, episode 14, which is kind of part two from episode 13. <laughs> uh, this is Innocence. Buffy and her friends battle the judge and face unexpected danger from Angel, who has lost his soul after experiencing a moment of true happiness. Giggity. That's at the end of the description. You did not. You did not add that. I. It uh, was at the end. Yes, that's uh, <laughs> IMDb includes uh, the, the the euphemism very clearly. Well, that was an episode. Mm-hmm. What do you think? What would you rate it? Nine. Nine. Yeah. I would give David Boreanaz a ten, and the other half of the episode gets like a four. Gotcha. Because I don't care about watching Buffy cry. Yeah. It's important. It was done correctly. SMG actually acted, which was pleasantly surprising. Mm-hmm. But I just don't care. And I'm staring down the barrel of five more seasons of this. Yeah. So, oh boy. I just want to watch Angel. I have said that many times on this show already, but mm-hmm. I just want to watch Angel. I'm excited to watch Angel. Um, I don't know. There's a lot about this episode that I remember. There's very little that I didn't remember, but the main thing that I didn't remember was liking it so much. Gotcha. Okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. There were large parts of this episode that I loved, and it was great. David Boreanaz actually gets to, you know, have fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he doesn't have to be this incredibly uptight and... Uh, he does, he's not brooding. Broody and, uh, like, close to the vest character anymore. Which he was doing, and was doing well, but it was getting old. Yeah. There's very little about this episode that I didn't like, actually. So we'll start with our angel sighting, because it was uh, two minutes in, he's face down in the rainwater. And then he kills a lady. And it's probably my favorite image of the entirety of Buffy ever is Angel down, the woman smoking the cigarette, coming in, asking him if he's okay. He stands up. He says, yes, all the pain is gone. Turns around, vamp face face bites her, blows out smoke. (laughs) It's amazing. It was really good. There were just so many good moments in this that it was very clear that Joss Whedon uh, has been building for this moment and has been waiting for this moment and has very clear images in his mind of how these images and moments should play out, mm-hmm. which was really, really great to see. I think that Joss Whedon just wanted to make Angel the show. Yeah. And he had to make Buffy so he could make Angel. Yeah. I think, it, like, he obviously started out making Buffy because he is the reason that the show, or that the movie exists. Mm-hmm. And then he wanted to make the show off of that. And then I think he created the character of Angel. And he was super popular and realized he wanted to tell his story. Yes, because as we've mentioned before, Angel <laughs> is not in that original Buffy movie. No. It's also a completely different cast. It's very different. He's also not in the, he's not in the unaired pilot either. Also not in the unaired pilot either, which is 
important. And if you want to find out more about the unaired pilot, shameless plug, we watched it. <laughs> and we talked about it. And we recorded that episode. Uh, and if you are a Patreon member over at Ghostlight Media, you can uh, download that episode and listen to it. Thank you to all of our backers who forced us to watch the unaired pilot. It was an experience. You said that you um, liked it more than you remember. Mm-hmm. So how much had you actually remembered then? Or Most of it. There were very few things that I didn't remember. Like, I remember Angel going into the warehouse. That's what they called it, right? Where yes, Spike the warehouse. Her, okay. Yeah. With the warehouse and the judge coming over, like, super excited to kill Angel. And Spike's all giddy about the fact that Angel's about to die. And he touches him. And Spike's all like, what are you doing? Kill him, please. And he's like, ooh, he's not human. And then they get super excited. Yes, it's great. It's wonderful. Drusilla and Spike are wonderful. The judge is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Incredible performances. I'm very sad that the judge is gone now. They kind of BS their way through that whole thing. I forgot that he didn't last that long. That was just... Okay, we'll get to that. We'll get to the whole judge being killed via rocket launcher. <laughs> we'll get to that part. Yeah. Um, I do remember... Cordelia and Xander in the book stacks of the library kissing and then Willow seeing them. Mm-hmm. That and happens. then freaking out. Yes. It was a really good scene. In other parts of this episode. And even when Willow comes back, because she, she freaks out on Xander, mm-hmm. has a whole thing, kind of admits that she likes him, kind of doesn't, but Xander's an idiot, so he probably doesn't pick up on it. Yeah. And then she leaves, and then she comes back that is the mature voice of reason Yeah. for the rest of the episode to Jenny, to Giles, to Xander, even to Buffy. Yeah. And it's great. It's a great look for the character. It's growth that I hope sticks. So we'll see what happens yeah. next. But that's how, that's basically Willow throughout the whole thing is being that voice of reason in between her and Giles. Yes. Like a lot of, especially when Giles leaves later, um, they kind of bump but Willow, Willow into, into that, that. role. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So uh, Giles uh, did drop a damn it. And I was wondering if that was his first swear of the show. I do not know. I do not remember. But I'm wondering not, if it might have been. We're not considering when he said, like, hell. Correct? I don't think so. Because okay. that's not uh, not necessarily used as a swear in this show. It's a description right. of a literal place. Yeah. The Hellmouth is a thing that exists that you can go to. Yeah. I don't know. I truly have no idea. I don't remember. Yeah, but he did say that, so that was interesting. He get he, That's how you know things are bad. Yeah, I think he does it more later, like, when he, he... He gets a lot more character growth, I guess. I don't know. He becomes less uptight and less librarian-esque. As the show goes on. Yeah. And we get used to Giles and he has to do more things and be different. Yeah. Um, I remember the scene in Angel's apartment. The first scene where you really get to see him be Angelus around other people. Like, you see him be Angelus around 
Drusilla and Spike. Drew and Spike. Mm-hmm. But this is him being Angelus. Angelus around Buffy. Yes. He is incredibly intelligent. Oh, yeah. Um, but also very charismatic. Mm-hmm. And it explains everything that he did to Drew. Yep. And how that was able to happen. Um, darkest moment of this episode was when Drew says, you want to do to her what you did to me or something like that. With and a smile. With a giant <laughs> smile. And Angel says, like, oh, you just get me or something like mm-hmm. that. And that was dark. Wow. It was an incredible moment. And especially because they didn't dwell on it. They just kind of slipped it in. Yeah. And if you're not paying attention, you miss it. But it was so, so well done. Mm -hmm. Gosh, that was dark. That is one thing that I do like about the Buffyverse so far in my experience is that all of the really, really dark stuff that they managed to kind of backdoor their way into it and kind of suggest into the show rather than explicitly saying and showing it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it is uh, done better than other times, but specifically here in this episode, it was very, very well done. And it just felt like some of those images and moments that Joss Whedon has had in his head for however long he knew this turn was going to happen. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, Angel is much darker than Buffy is in terms of television shows. Like, Buffy the Vampire Slayer is not as dark as Angel. Mm -hmm. Um, The big light in Angel, specifically in the beginning, is Cordelia. It feels a lot like, obviously I haven't seen Angel yet, I've only seen part of Buffy yet, but one show in the universe being lighter and brighter, kind of... Mm-hmm. And a little easier to watch, maybe. Uh, and the other show being super dark and gritty. Uh, it kind of reminds me a lot of Arrow and Flash from now. From yeah. the Arrowverse. On, also, you know, on the CW. But, it's Air, but it was the other way around. Arrow was the first show. And it was very dark and gritty. Mm-hmm. Uh, and emotional and moving. And then Flash comes along and it's this bright spot in the world. Yeah. Um, and then you get a really great crossover where, you know, Barry Allen gets to pretend to be <laughs> Oliver Queen and yeah, that vice was, versa. Yeah, that was a weird couple. And then the Arrowverse expands to like four different shows and some of yeah. them are good, some of them are terrible, and some of them shouldn't even be mentioned. Yep. So we have the Buffyverse, yeah. which was two shows simultaneously. Basically, uh, yes. And then right now we have the Arrowverse, Yep. Uh, although Arrow just ended, and then we also have... The other shows that I'm thinking of that happen simultaneously, we have in the same universe, are the NCIS shows, mm-hmm. but those don't really cross over. They're in completely different parts of the world, and sometimes they share characters, but even then, it's just real life. Yeah. It's just, here are cops yeah. who solve like, cases. Like the Law and Orders and the... The um, Law and Orders and the Chicago the shows. CZ, the CSI. CSI, Law and Order. Law and, and, Order. and then the Chicago shows actually feel like they probably have the most crossover and... Oh, yeah, they different, crossover Different uh, tones and different uh, types of stories being told. Like, yeah. But... There's like station... Or there's Grey's and Station 19. Sure. Those are both in the Shonda Rhimes universe, and they they cross over. And then there was um, an episode of How to Get Away with Murder and um, Scandal that did a crossover, too. Right. But these are all shows grounded in reality. Yeah. Or... They're more... They're real. Or Yeah, they're they're not 
you know, Fantasy. they're not about vampires or superheroes. Mm-hmm. So I'm just trying to think. There aren't any other real verses, so to speak, like this that I can think of off the top of my head. Um, like the Marvel Cinematic Universe is the next thing I can think of, and then DC is doing the same thing with their movies. But they apparently there is a I don't I I guess that. Riverdale and that new show on the CW, Katie Keene. That's got a crossover I element to it. It's the same so. universe. Because theoretically, a lot of those CW shows are in the same Archie Comics universe, but don't necessarily yeah, cross like, over. Technically, Sabrina is in the same um, universe as Riverdale. Well, I mean, they mention it. They talk, they talk about, about it. Yeah, but they're not on the same network. No. Um, so they're not going to cross over. But they also have, I think, Nancy Drew, that new Nancy Drew thing is supposed to be in the same net- universe or whatever. Yeah. So maybe they're trying to do something there. But this whole idea of verses crossing over and different shows with different tones that tell the same larger story, does it start here? I think it's it starts at least on TV. Yeah. This has to be the start of it. It's got to be. Because before this, we had other shows that had had spinoffs. Yeah. I mean, Cheers to Frasier is mm-hmm. a giant one, obviously. Um, or uh, Jag became NCIS. It's happened before. Yeah, there's lots of spinoffs like this show ends and another show begins off of that like the right. good are the it was the good wife became the good fight right with similar characters right and, and there's also i guess we could also talk about all of the star trek shows yeah, that are all loosely connected but they didn't really happen at the same time no. and they have different casts they just kind of share the same name and idea yeah a closer example of that would be like uh rebooting spider-man Side character shout out. I don't really have one, so I have saved uh, this spot for a rant. So, last episode, I said that Oz was going to get his uh, Scott Pilgrim guitar solo. Yeah. Uh, That did not happen. No. Instead, Oz did something far more unforgivable. He showed up with the mystery machine. Yeah. He has the mystery machine for the Scooby gang, and I hate it so much. I can't take it. It just needs to stop. It's also great because Seth Green is in Scooby-Doo. He's in the second one. And so, I mean, and so is SMG. Like, they're in, (laughs) yeah. yeah. They eventually make the Scooby-Doo movies. And Oz turns into a werewolf at some point, right? Kind of, sort of. Very soon. Very soon. Okay, cool. So they even have a freaking dog that talks. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't talk while he's a werewolf. (laughs) Sure. But they still have the dog. Yeah. Ah, boy. It's almost as bad as the hyena possession (laughs) episode. That was idea number five. Anyway, moving on. I imagine you don't have a side character shout out either for this because we were just watching Angel. Yeah, I didn't really write one down. I was going to mention, like, Jenny's uncle, but that was just because he was the only one that was there. That plot line is so unearned. Uh Uh-huh. 
I thought it would get better in this part two. I was really hoping that they just kind of teed it up real quick for part one and then we would get this great payoff in part two. Mm -hmm. Instead, she talks to her uncle for a scene. Mm -hmm. She doesn't name him, but she does call him uncle three times. Yeah. In a minute. To remind us that he's her uncle, but we don't get to know what his name is. Yeah. Okay. Weird. Moving on. And then Angel goes and kills the uncle. Yeah. And then Jenny tries to do some interesting things and tries to apologize. And Buffy goes after her, wondering about, you know, did she know that Angel was going to turn and all that stuff. Which is kind of interesting, but it's so out of nowhere and there's nothing backing it up. Yeah. And now the one connection that they gave us for Jenny to her tribe Mm -hmm. is gone. Yeah. On the flip side, I did like that Angel brutally murdered a couple of people. Yeah, I mean, he's not at all going to hold back. Yeah. That's kind of the point. Like, we don't see Spike and Drew really kill people. Like, not just for sport. They <laughs> When they kill people, because they do kill people. Yeah. But they do it for reason. Yeah. Even if that reason is just, we're hungry. Yeah. It's not, to. It's not I want to torment this other person, this third party. Yeah. No, Angel kills for sport. That's kind of one of the things about Angelus is that he is awful because he'll just slaughter people because he feels like it. Yeah, which is how he made Drew. Yep. I remembered those two parts, that Buffy choking Jenny and Angel killing her uncle. That scene in the school where um, it's right after, you, you already talked about when Willa comes back and she's talking to... Xander and she's like, I have to come back because I need blah blah blah. I don't remember exactly what she oh, said. Oh, when she was saying that I, I, we're not okay, but this is more important. Yeah. And he gets his idea. He has a thought. And it becomes a plan. <laughs> that was a good line. <laughs> um, I kind of hated that I smiled at that line. Like, that's what it was. It was like yeah. clearly just a, a, a line they wrote for Xander to be Xander. Yeah. That scene. Remembered it. Remember loving it continued to love it it was very good yeah the lights go out and then mm-hmm. angel appears and he's just trying to coerce willow into f- going with him somewhere basically so he can kidnap and murder willow and then yeah. in front of everyone and it's the whole thing and they both sell that allison hannigan sells that scene yeah. because david boreanis gosh it's so nice to watch david boreanis act again yeah and not <laughs> not to say because it's not that he wasn't acting it's that Earlier, he was brooding. It was that he was playing such a very specific thing, and he had to only play that one thing, and yeah. there was so little wiggle room. Yeah. He couldn't deviate. He couldn't do much. He was so held back by the writing <laughs> that I'm very glad that they are giving this to him so that he gets to you know do a lot more. Um, and he's playing off of that very, very well. But Allison Hannigan sells that scene. Yeah. 100%. It was very good. And then Buffy shows up and the scene kind of goes downhill. Yeah. Yeah. I guess we go, Allison Hannigan sells that scene and then we have the Oz and Willow scene. The Oz and Willow scene in the mystery machine. Yeah. In the van. Willow had her hair up for that, like up and tied back. Yeah, it Somehow. was in French. It was French. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but she was just a little bit in shadow and her hair was not down. Yeah. And she looked much older. Yeah. Which was probably purposeful and they pulled it off well. Mm-hmm. 
But well, that was... they have her in like this fuzzy coat thing, so they have to. Otherwise, she looks like she's seven. <laughs> but yeah, otherwise, she looks like she's playing dress up. Yeah. But yeah, that was a good scene, and Oz remains very good. Mm-hmm. I love Oz. And Seth Green remains very good. I always remember that I love Oz, and then I watch it, and I'm like, but I love him even more. He's very good. It's, I love him so much. Like, I even wrote on my notes in capital letters, Oz is amazing. (laughs) Oh, I guess before we get to the judge, the end part... One thing that I forgot, and I pointed it out to you, because Angel gets upset for some reason in the warehouse. I don't remember why he gets upset, but he gets upset, and there's a box beside him. Yes, there's a box beside him. And he pushes it, and you literally hear it just keep going for like 30 seconds. Yeah, it's on a rail. Uh, there, It's like a loading rail, right, that they would send something down, and it spins, uh-huh. and the box keeps traveling. And... David Boreanaz shoved that box farther than I think he thought it was going to go, but also farther than I think the production team thought it was going to go. And that is the take that they kept. Yeah. They could have cut that audio, too. Yeah. Like, they could have just... It's just there. They could have fixed it. They could have changed it. They could have ADR'd it. God knows they ADR'd plenty of other lines in this episode. But But they didn't. He pushes it. It goes, and then you hear it fall off, and you hear it still go. <laughs> Angel's casual yet inconsistent strength. <laughs> Apparently, he gets stronger when he no longer has a soul. Yeah. And then that the artsy sex scene. Oof. I forgot about that artsy sex yeah. scene. That was a 1998 public TV sex scene. Yeah. Is what that was. Speaking of ADR, uh, I believe... You said that uh, the noises and moans and yeah, I was just extra read it. details of that scene were not done by the actors. Yeah. It says, during Angel and Buffy's first lovemaking scene, Joss Whedon and sound editor Cindy Rabidow provided the heavy breathing because they were too embarrassed to ask Sarah Michelle Gellar and David Boreanaz to do it. <laughs> so... If you listen to the heavy breathing, which there's not a lot of it. No, there's not. It's more silent than anything. You can literally probably go to another episode that you've shot and find heavy breathing from both of them. Yes, because they fight. I just uh, thought it was funny. They this also is- had to ADR the uh, all of the dialogue between Angel and Buffy uh, at the end uh, around their fight scene because the sprinklers were going off in the mall, mm-hmm. uh, which is a whole other thing. But yeah. the sprinklers were going off in the mall, and they were in a mall. So they didn't have a good way to hide the boom mic in the water. So all of those lines were 80-yard after the fact. Yeah. That was their first fight, by the way. Their first physical fight. They never even really trained. Like, Mm -mm. they didn't do training fighting or any of that. No, that's the first time that the two of them fought. Yep.
favorite lines, uh, I have two. Okay. My first is uh, the funny one, which was Angel's line about Broadway. He walks into the warehouse. I'm not even exactly sure what the line is, but he walks into the warehouse and he says something about like chorus girl under the bright lights and the star has finally stubbed her toe or something like that. <laughs> and and it's time for her big moment. And Angel steps forth. <laughs> it was strange and it was weird. And David Boreanaz just delivered it. It was great. Good. Um, but the the best line was Angel later to Drew and Spike. They're talking about he wants he doesn't even want to kill her. He wants to drive her insane. Yeah. Uh, and he, he says she made me feel like a human being. That's not the kind of thing you just forgive. <laughs> Which is a funny line in any other episode. Yeah. Not in this one. Yeah. And he it was delivered very well. Yeah. That's similar to my favorite line. Just in that. In any other episode, and if it was said by anybody else in a different way, it would have been funny. But it wasn't. Spikes is talking to Drusilla because she's laying on the table talking about how she can see that she's naming all the stars. Yes. And he says, you can't see the stars, love. That's the ceiling. Also, it's day. And if it was said by anybody else in any other context, it would have been hilarious. Yep. The way that he said it, I was like, you're like... Just telling her matter-of-factly, mm-hmm. you can't see the stars because that's the ceiling, and it's daytime. Yes, but he also said it with, like, a little bit of, like, wondering what else is happening. Yeah. Because whenever Drusilla gets like that, it's because there's something else happening mm-hmm. or about to happen. She has her own version of the premonitions. Yeah. Like, I wrote it down because I, like, saw the line on the closed captionings, and I was like, oh, that's funny. And then I thought about it, and I was like, it's really not. No. <laughs> like, he did not say it in a way that's funny. If that line was even in, the like, the, the one of the first couple of episodes with Spike and Drusilla, yeah. he would have delivered that line very differently. Yeah. It would have been played, not for laughs, but for a sense of camaraderie. Yeah. Building. Mm-hmm. Um, and here, it is not that. It is, we already know their relationship. Their mm-hmm. relationship is established and established well. Here, it's... Okay, no, this is just what's happening. Mm -hmm. There were a lot of funny lines and a lot of, I wouldn't say a lot, but quite a few good lines, but I liked that one a lot. All right, so let's talk about the judge. Mm -hmm. And I think the best place to talk about the judge is talking about Soldier Xander. Yes. Because that's kind of where this whole conversation starts. So Xander has a thought and then he has a plan. (laughs) I think I have a thought. I do have a thought. (laughs) Wait, I think I have a plan. <laughs> he doesn't tell anyone the plan. They go and they are going to break into an army base, mm-hmm. which uh, they talk about how there's not a lot of good security at this army base, and it's part of, and they make it a thing mm-hmm. um, because there's not, and it doesn't make any sense. Um, but then Xander ba- dresses down a so the soldier who catches him. Points out all of these very, very soldier things, things that Xander has no business knowing mm-hmm. or pointing out. And then he's able to buy time to go in and steal a rocket launcher. Yep. But then he explains why he remembers or why he knows these things because he remembers everything from when he became soldier Xander during the Halloween episode. He said he remembers everything. Didn't they say after that episode ended that there were things that they didn't remember? I don't know. I don't remember. Okay. Okay, so if we accept that as fact, mm-hmm. 
because it is now because it's the lore that they've established moving forward and it's what lets Xander be more than Xander. Yeah. Does that mean that Willow knows how to be a ghost? Maybe. I mean, that's what would follow. Xander knows how to be a soldier because that's what he turned into. Does that mean Willow knows how to be a ghost? And Buffy knows how to be a 17th century English woman? Or at least knows the history. Yeah. Does that also mean that a bunch of very small children know how to be monsters? Probably. Okay. It's They said this Xander soldier thing, and I went, oh, that's interesting. I like that. And then I kept thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Went, wait a second. If that's true, that means all of them have to be true. Yeah. Right? If that's the lore we're establishing, then you have to follow it through. Especially on a show that is going to have five more seasons and a spinoff. Yeah. Right? The lore you establish is not just for this episode, mm-hmm. and then you can change it. Yeah. It's not that type of show. No, we're not x-men in it here no we're not x-men in it we're also not small villain it <laughs> so we have now have xander soldier mm-hmm. that's a form we have that's an idea we have that's a character we have he steals a rocket launcher from a secured area that was unlocked yep that door was not locked he did yep. not steal a key he didn't get somebody to open it for him that door was unlocked Then the idea is that because the the rocket launcher was no weapon forged, they can shoot the judge with a rocket launcher, and that's the ball game. I mean, I assume that it was they shot him with it and it exploded him into different pieces, so they're picking up the pieces to put them in different boxes like before. So he's not dead, he's just exploded. Sure, and I can get behind (laughs) that. They just showed a shot, because the rocket launcher sets off all the sprinklers in the mall. Mm-hmm. And they very specifically showed a shot of his arm or his leg that had been exploded and was on fire, and the sprinkler put the fire out. Yeah. I assumed that it was going to start trying to reattach itself and try to know. put itself back together, because they made a point of showing, hey, this thing's not on fire anymore. It can do something, and then nothing happened. Yeah, I don't know. I know that in there's things like that in the supernatural world, like the world of the television show Supernatural, and it doesn't, they can't reattach immediately. It takes a minute, like they're dead for a, a hot second, and then they can reattach, so maybe that's. I was mostly what this just is. disappointed that. Xander figured it out? No, not that Xander figured it out, that the. Uh, answer to the question was let's just go find a really big freaking gun gotcha because that's not buffy no that's not the show yeah like if the bad guys went and were like hey what if we use some of this stuff and made a giant explosion what if or you know we napalmed this building or we did something else buffy fired a rocket launcher in the middle of a crowded mall yeah And I so wanted to be on board for, yes, that's awesome. That's badass. That's, yes, Buffy's changing. She's getting darker. She's getting grittier. She's getting more real. She, whatever. It wasn't that. It was, hey, we're going to give the girl the rocket launcher because we think it'll work. And then we're not going to feel bad about it. We're just going to use this to get rid of this very powerful character that we felt we had to put in. Yeah. It felt like the writers going, hey, you know what would be funny? What if we put in an indestructible vampire that can kill anything without even touching them, but we shoot him with a rocket launcher? 
Yeah, it's a, like a demon or a monster or whatever. Or whatever, yeah. yeah. It's a, not a vampire per se, but, yeah. a, but whatever the thing is. But yeah. we're going to make this indestructible thing that is actually not indestructible. Right. Yeah. I really like season two, and I remember really liking season two. The thing that I forgot about season two is that it is episode 14, and there's 22 episodes in this season. We just got the big bad of the entire season mm-hmm. in episode 14. Yes. Finally. Yeah. It's not great. I thought that this happened much earlier. It should have happened much earlier. Yes, because Angelus is what we want to see. Yeah. Um, I thought the judge was around way longer. Yes, because it's super interesting and it's what we want to see. Like, I was looking through the episodes for this season and it was episode 17 when, like, the climax happens. And then there's three episodes that are unnecessary. Mm-hmm. One of the, those three episodes, one of them I'm not a huge fan of. And there's another one that a lot of other people aren't big fans of. But one of them is probably one of my favorite episodes. But it doesn't need to exist. But it doesn't need to exist. It feels like Joss Whedon could have written really good 10-episode miniseries. Yeah. Like Buffy and Angel could be 10-episode miniseries or 12 episodes or something like that. And that 22 is just too many episodes for the stories they're trying to tell. And I was was watching that... um, Chase Crawford and Penn Badgley thing that you sent me, and they lit they actors talk, on actors, yeah, actors on actors, and they literally talked about that because they were on Gossip Girl together, where sometimes their season was twenty four episodes. Yes, and right now they're both doing shows, Chase Crawford, The Boys, and Penn Badgley, You, that are ten episodes on Netflix and Amazon Prime, mm-hmm. and they were talking about that and about how it's so much better because it's five and a half months of work instead of 10 months of work. Yes. Penn Badgley was talking about how in the TV show You, he's in essentially every scene. Mm-hmm. Every single scene. And 10 episodes being in every single scene is fine. If it's 24 episodes and you're in every single scene, that's exhausting. Yeah, and from an actor standpoint, it's exhausting. But from a writing and storytelling standpoint, it's not possible. Yeah. Because you can't sustain storylines through that many episodes and consistently build in every episode, especially in 43-minute shows. Yeah, and something like Gossip Girl, there's so many different characters and so many different storylines, and it's books, but you're going away from the books and doing your own thing. Like, you can do 24 episodes, and it keeps people's attention based on your audience and the time in which it was it came out like mm-hmm. it was you need you want teenage girls attention great it's so easy to get their attention for 24 episodes especially when you have that many people yes and something like you like that it, those are books too mm-hmm. that is so anxiety ridden and high energy and just on 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 you can't do anything more than 10 episodes. Yeah. I like, think, I don't want to watch more than 10 episodes of a season of You. Yeah. It's the difference between how TV is made, and it's a very, very clear shift that I think is a lot to do with the HBO miniseries and Game of Thrones, but also uh, Netflix really pushing out content, and, the, and Netflix going, we aren't constrained to TV schedules. We don't have to re- release 22 episodes over 
22 weeks. Yeah. Let's give you a much more concise story, a better story in 10 hours of content that we mm-hmm. give you all at once. So you can understand the whole story. You can watch it all at once or you, or you can watch it over the course of many weeks and you space it out. Yeah. Uh, it even then like Disney plus kind of changed the formula a little bit with the Mandalorian which you haven't watched and probably won't watch, but they did, I think it was 10 episodes. It was either 10 or 12 episodes, and they were the, the 45 to an hour long, but they released one a week. Mm-hmm. So they followed that sort of TV schedule of getting the audience to come back at a set time each week, which the internet has kind of done away with if we can watch things whenever we want. Yeah. But it's shorter seasons, it's longer episodes it's no commercials it's telling one big story however you want to tell this story not hey here you want to tell this story here's 22 episodes of content to fill over you know six months Mm -hmm. you're gonna have a lot of stinkers yeah i mean that's kind of it remind like you mentioned game of thrones kind of did it on hbo you think of game of thrones i think of like american horror story like what ryan murphy did yeah. On FX. Mm-hmm. Which is similar. Yeah. The other thing that those sorts of shows and uh, networks can do is ignore the rating system because mm-hmm. they're not worried about commercials. They're not worried about public being public access. You know, they're behind paywalls or they're you know, on, you know, you have to log in and acknowledge that you're not a child, yeah. basically. So they have protection there. Is a good segue here. To uh, shout out a friend of the show, uh, Joel Payne. Hey, Joel. How you doing? Gave us a bit of trivia, and it led me down a bit of a rabbit hole, but we'll only talk about the one right now. Spinoff ideas for Buffy, because we've talked about and we'll continue to talk about what Buffy would look like if they made it today. I want, I would want Buffy to be an HBO special, unrated. Mm-hmm. Like, just do whatever you want to do. It'd be incredible. Yeah. But one of the many, many ideas that Joss Whedon pitched for a Buffy the Vampire spinoff was a show called Ripper, which he pitched to the BBC, Ripper being uh, the name of Giles' character that he went by when he was a young demonologist and was doing bad things. Um, And he talked about how it would be in the vein of the great English shows and the person who was going to like co-show run it was going to be the same people who were doing Doctor Who. So it would have been very British yeah. with Anthony Stewart Head. I am so sad we don't get to watch that because yeah. I want to watch that show. Me too. I want to watch Anthony Stewart Head get to play Giles and dive into all of that. That sounds amazing. Yeah. spots at the end okay um the scene in giles car because i yes did giles not... is very very bad car yes <laughs> it is it's terrible. so bad it has a full bench front seat yep with upholstery yeah anyway yes he's um, in the car with buffy yeah he's i dropping didn't, her off i did not remember that that scene happened like i didn't remember it but it was very good it was very good it reminded me of um at the end of the lie to me episode mm-hmm. where 
Giles and Buffy are on the hill in the graveyard. And Buffy says, lie to me. Mm-hmm. And Giles does. Uh, and this is the the continuation of that moment. Yeah. And he does the exact opposite. Yeah. They just are really good at establishing the Buffy and Giles relationship in specific scenes. And I hate that they don't continue doing it in every single episode every time that they're together. Like, it doesn't feel... Like, they establish it in these scenes and then it doesn't feel like it carries over no it doesn't and it makes me sad it is it is not great it goes back to um the lack of character growth continuing from episode to episode yeah we've seen it many times in mm-hmm. this season and in season one where the characters would all experience something and have growth at the end of the episode and then in the very next episode it would be like nothing had happened mm-hmm. yeah it makes me sad and then I had a note about the very end with Buffy and her mom. Because she, like, gives her a cupcake or whatever. Joyce asks Buffy to blow out the candle, candle and she just says, let it burn. Um, that was a good moment. Mm-hmm. That was a good line. I just really appreciated the genuine concern on Joyce's face. But, like, the complete understanding that she's a teenager and you can't ask her what's wrong. Because she's not going to say anything. Mm-hmm. It was a really good moment for Catherine Sutherland. It was a very good moment. I think the only other thing I had uh, was from a technical standpoint, they had a lot of strange or different camera shots Yeah. in this episode. The opening shot of the episode is Drusilla and Spike and the judge a little bit, but it's Drusilla and Spike, but, and the camera is at Spike's eye level in a wheelchair. Which is very interesting because you feel lower as the audience. Um, and it's just not how that camera shot ha- is usually done. And in the previous episode, when we saw Spike in the wheelchair, we never had that camera angle. It was never at his height. It was always at a standing person's height where you would expect the camera to be. Yeah, maybe it, I'm establishing Spike's dominance, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. It was just interesting because then a couple of scenes later... Willow and Buffy are very briefly talking in the hallway, and then Jenny is listening in on them. But the camera shot is from a very high angle mm-hmm. on the staircase. Yeah, I noticed that. They're that. By. And it's almost, it feels like we are the, the, the listening in party, like we're from the like, viewpoint yeah. of Jenny, which we aren't because Jenny is down in yeah. the shot. Like a casual observer almost. Yeah, but definitely listening in on a conversation you're not supposed to hear. Yeah. And then the camera shots didn't remain strange. Yeah. Which was also off-putting in its own way. Right. <laughs> Our last segment is Ryan predicts poorly, and I predict in the next episode, the Angel Kill Count, which I believe is currently at two. That we've seen, yeah. That we've seen in this episode. Angel Kill Count will rise to five. It's a lot in one episode. Yes. Um, Especially since, given the track record of this show, we won't see Angel for three episodes, (laughs) which is just frustrating. 
Thanks, Joss Whedon. So that'll do it for this episode of I Missed It. You can find us on Twitter at I Missed It Pod and our network at GLM Pods or over at ghostlightmedia.net. Leave us a rating and review, preferably a five-star review. That'd be nice. Um, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever you listen to us on. So that'll do it for this episode of I Missed It. This has been Buffy Season 2, Episode 14, Innocence. I'm Ryan. And I'm Brittany. And don't forget that Oz has a mystery machine. Don't forget it, because I can't. This has been a Ghostlight Media production.